right, well, welcome to this episode of the Tech Tech Edition, the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jackson Moody. We got a lot to talk about today. I'm not going to say that it's a lot of good stuff either. Uh, we are talking about whether Texas Tech will actually make the tournament in baseball, if you can believe that. Uh, they dropped two of three to Kansas State. A lot went wrong on the mound. A lot went wrong at the plate. Uh, should they finish their game with ACU? Does Grant McCasson exist in the basketball world? And how about that transfer from Georgia, Lindsey? Uh, I have some thoughts on him, and of course, should the Big 12 be playing college football games in Mexico? Here we go. All right, so, also, y'all may need to bear with me a bit here today. I'm I'm a bit sick. I tried, I was going to record last night, thought I'd feel better today. I was wrong. Uh, but anyways, Texas Tech dropped two of three to Kansas State. It was not pretty. I compiled all the stats from the weekend. I'm going to go through a lot of that today. Uh, we'll see what the problems were. They lost 3-2 to two to Kansas State on Friday. Uh, Mason Molina pitched really well, by the way. I want to give a shout-out to him. If there's any positive takeaway from this week, past weekend for Texas Tech baseball, it was Mason B- Molina through his second straight good game. Very quality outing by him. But a home run, a two-run shot in the seventh flipped it from a 2-1 lead to a 3-2 lead. In Kansas State, and they fell on Saturday. The bats came alive a bit, a bit. They won it five to two. It wasn't overly close. Both teams got a run in the first. K State added one in the third before you got two in the fourth and two in the sixth. And then, of course, Sunday, you lose. You use how many pitchers? You used eight pitchers on Sunday. Eight. Give up 10 runs. You you used a pitcher for every innings. You only had eight defensive innings. And you lose it 10 to 8. Um, we're going to start with the pitching first. I think pitching is... Actually, since we don't get complain about hitting that much, that's where I'm going to start with this. So, on Friday, you roll out Hester 1, Coleman 2, Harrelson 3, Bazell 4, Cash 5, Green 6, Maxi 7, Carter 8, Lopez 9. There were You didn't pinch hit at all this entire weekend. It was not a great hitting performance. Hester went 1 for 4. Bazell had a great day. Bazell was really good for you all weekend long. He, got, he was 3 for 4. Uh, he had 5 singles the whole series. Cash was solid for you again this weekend. He went one for three. Or he actually wasn't solid. I'm sorry. I was thinking about somebody else there. Maxi went one for three. Green went 0 for four. I'm gonna, and I'm going to criticize Tim Tadlock a bit for this as we move further through breaking down the weekend. Green normally plays second base. Okay? And he's not particularly... A great second baseman. He leads the team in errors. He got another error this weekend. You had four in the field. You actually had five because Mason Molina got an error. But from your lineup, you had four errors, which isn't awful. It's it's not anything that you can't survive. But Vuletic can also play second base. On Saturday, he went two for four. On Sunday, he went one for five. He batted three thirty-three. Uh, two singles and a double. He was a 444 slugging percentage. You had four guys with over a 400 slugging percentage. He was one of them. 
And even with Austin Green, when he was hitting 0 for 3, you need a run, and you don't pinch hit for a guy that can play his defensive position. I think, and Vuletic was playing well coming into this weekend as well. He also gives you speed on the base path. You had one stolen base all weekend. I think that's, that's alarming, and that's frustrating. That Tim Tadlock, uh, his seat is nowhere near hot, but... I think he got that one wrong. I, I think you got to pinch hit there. We move to Saturday, our actual win. You only put up five runs, uh, but it was a pretty good performance from the bats. Um, no complaints there. You went, or your situational hitting was a lot better, I should say. You went 7 of 35. You went 6 of 31 on Friday. On Sunday, you went 8 of 34. You were a total 21 hits on 100 at-bats this weekend. That's very easy math. Math, you batted 210. Your combined slugging percentage for this weekend was 340. The only guys that batted above 250 was White, who went 1 for 3, Vuletic, who went 3 for 9, so a pretty good sample size, Lopez, 4 for 10, Maxi, 2 of 7. He didn't play on Saturday. And Bazell hit 455 at 5 for 11. Ty Coleman played on, started on Friday, didn't see the field at all on Sunday or Saturday. He finishes 0 for 4, but he had been hitting pretty well for you coming in. He had a good weekend last weekend. I don't get the point of pulling Ty Coleman out for two straight games, at least not pinch hitting. At all in that game. And some of these stats are pulled off the Texas Tech website. Harrelson. Harrelson's normally been very solid for you. He had an awful outing. He was 0 for 10 this weekend. Dylan Carter. uh, He had one sacrifice hit. So you got to give him at least a little bit of credit. He was 0 for 9. The reason he wasn't 0 for 10 was he had a sack uh, bunt there. It's concerning. Um... When your slugging percentage on a weekend is 340, your batting average is 210, that is nowhere near what we've seen from this lineup, and it came at the worst possible time. D1 Baseball had you number 14 in the nation. You are now out of their top 25. You are the second-to-last team in the field at this moment, according to D1 Baseball. Now, can Texas Tech still make it? Definitely. But things have got to get better. I'm going to go over to pitching for a bit. You pitched 25 total innings. You gave up 13 earned runs, 15 total runs. Your combined ERA was 4.68. Mason Molina, as uh, as I stated earlier, he was superb uh, as your Friday starter. 1.5 ERA, uh, both your Friday and Saturday starter threw 99 pitches. Uh, Trenton Parrish also pitched pretty well. He gave up two runs, none earned. You had uh, three errors on Saturday alone. Um, five innings pitched, no earned runs, nine strikeouts. He walked four batters. Mason Molina didn't walk anybody. He struck out six. He had one wild pitch. Parrish didn't. And then your Sunday starter, Petty, did not pitch well. Three innings, three earned runs. Four hits. He got four strikeouts. He walked a guy on balls, hit a guy, let two bases go, and then threw a wild pitch. He was pulled after 53 pitches. 
His ERA for the weekend was nine. When you look in the bullpen, Free obviously gave up that two-run shot on Friday that cost you the game. So gives up the two-run homer. Uh, he gave up three hits total, walked a guy two, no strikeouts. Uh, this is for the weekend, by the way. He he got another third of it, not a third of an inning. He pitched some. He didn't get a recording out. Um, Combs, uh, he pitched one and two-thirds. He was pretty decent, 5.4 ERA through 28 pitches. Still not too bad. One hit, got a strikeout, walked a guy. Beckel, he had a pretty good outing, two innings, no earned runs. Three strikeouts, four walks. He also came... Uh, no, I'm sorry. I got that one confused with somebody else. But those stats were right. Uh, so, solid weekend from Brandon Beckel. Robinson, again, solid. Uh, he got two strikeouts, walked two guys, but gives up no runs. Derek Bridges had a tough outing. Two earned runs in two innings. Bo Blessy did his job. Got, uh, Or he didn't do his job. He let somebody on base uh, off a walk in six pitches and got pulled. Sanders pitched pretty well. Gerton, who was the Friday starter, the wheels came off of this guy. Three earned runs and got two outs, two hits, two walks, threw a wild pitch, and his ERA for the weekend, and now this is just one outing. It's not as good of a sample size as it is with the batters. But a 40.54 ERA is what he finished with for that Sunday outing. It was a disaster show for Texas Tech this weekend. And by the way, I will be posting all these stats on my Twitter at JacksonBig12 at JacksonBig12. Um, you walked 20 guys. Now, Kansas State walked 20 guys. But some interesting stats here. Kansas State stole five bases. You only stole one. Kansas State had one error to your five. Uh, you out, you got more strikeouts to that than them by a twenty-nine to twenty-six margin. You also threw four wild pitches to Kansas State's one. This is, if I told you coming in, you're gonna outstrike out Kansas State. They're gonna walk twenty guys. Mason Molina was gonna throw a gem again on Friday. You would have thought that we would have won this series. You would have thought that we probably have a good chance to sweep this series, and it didn't happen. And now this team's backs are against the wall. They play Sam Houston State this weekend, which this RPI, look, I I don't like the RPI, but it does matter. You can get in in the 50s. You can probably get in in the 60s as well. Hosting is way off the table for this team at this point, and it's ugly. It it is not good. This is the worst season Tim Tadlock's had since his second season. And this is following not a great year from last season. And there have been serious issues with this pitching staff. There really have been. You used 12 pitchers this weekend. Your ERA was 4.68. You gave up a total of 15 runs in just 25 defensive innings, and you walked 20 guys. It's Pitching has to improve. And now Tim Tadlock has done a brilliant job at building this program up. He is nowhere near the hot seat. He won't be near the hot seat next year either, I don't believe, by any means. This is still a very young team. However, 
There and I'm sure he's doing it. There has got to be some looks about roster construction for this team, and about going harder on pit, recruiting pitching. And now, I will say, you lost your three stars from last year. You had three very good starters last year, and that hurts you a lot. That hurts you a lot. So it's tough to replace an entire starting weekend starting lineup. But man. It's just time after time that the pitching just doesn't quite hold up for this team. That once your starter's out of the game, it comes unraveled. And it happened again this weekend. So, another thing with Texas Tech Baseball. They will be finishing their game against ACU. I believe they were down 6-0 in the fourth inning. They're going to finish it in Lubbock. That game started in Abilene, got rained out. They're going to finish it in Lubbock before they play ACU for the second time. Weather has not been kind to us with playing ACU either. We they remember this meeting it was originally scheduled for earlier in the year. Now, some people say this can't help your RPI. It can only hurt it. You shouldn't play this game. I disagree. I disagree. This is a team that the program has been scrappy. They resemble their manager. They've been scrappy since the get-go. They've been unafraid to play anybody this you finish this game you finish this game you go in there you don't fear ACU you go in there try to make a comeback and you know what if you can't you can't but you also don't burn a bridge with a school that's pretty dang close to you is very important for midweek scheduling you get them on the schedule probably twice a year you could get them for weekend series Yes, they're not a great team, but they're not an awful team either. You, This is important to play this game. You don't want to take the Aggie way out like they did last year, saying, oh, we're going to cancel this game because even winning will hurt our RPI. Now, that shows flaws in the RPI, and that needs to be corrected because that was ridiculous. But, no, you don't back down from this game. You go and play this game. And you go and try to make a statement that, hey, we, we can come back from 6-0 down. If the committee only wants to look at the RPI, if the committee only wants to look at the wins and loss record and not see, okay, this team can come back from 6-0 down, then fine. That, that's on the committee. That's on the committee. That's not on you. You go and give it a shot to come back from this one. And if you lose that one, then go win the night game. I mean, like seriously, it, there's no reason to duck a team like ACU. And also, you started the game, you dug yourself in that hole, so dig yourself out. All right, so that's going to do it for the baseball talk. Um, I'll post all these those stats on my Twitter. If any of y'all want to see them, it's the whole weekend compiled. You only use nine batters, or 11 batters. Vuletic and White were the only two that didn't play, which I, I get you have injury issues, but to not pinch hit, I, I still don't get that. However, we're going to move on in this one and talk about something a little bit better. Does Grant McCasson exist? So, North Texas' star player was Tyler Perry. He has one year of eligibility left. He decided uh, to go to Kansas State. He put us in his final four, took three visits. None of them was to us. So, And then he announced it with Jeff Goodman. So it was pretty clear that he wasn't coming here. We have not heard from Grant McCassin much. There are people visiting. He's already gotten two good recruits. He's done work at keeping guys. He got rid of Jalen Tyson, but brought in, like for like, probably a better replacement. He kept Pop Isaacs, who, by the way, 
Pop Isaacs, after this, uh, tweeted it out, y'all must have forgot. Remember, Pop Isaacs, he had never played shooting guard before in a, before this season. He had always been a point guard. Tyler Perry was a point guard. Pop Isaacs clearly won the starting point guard spot. And I think for this year alone, yeah, I think I'd rather Tyler Perry, but it's a coin flip. It's a coin flip. Also, I'm not under the impression that this year is a year that you're competing for the Big 12 title or anything like that. I think you can definitely make the tournament and win some games in the tournament. But Pop Isaacs is likely a guy who's not going to go pro after his second year. Maybe after his third, maybe he gets some run in the NBA. He is a smaller guard. So, I think overall, I'd definitely choose, if we had to give up trying to get Tyler Perry, which we weren't guaranteed to, even if we lost Pop Isaacs, I would rather keep Pop Isaacs for the long haul. He's also a culture guy, um, which I know the culture from last year wasn't good, but most people have said he was the nicest guy on the team. He looked like a leader on the court. Um, He played his butt off. I'm really glad that we're keeping Pop Isaacs. As for why we haven't heard from Grant McCaslin, and I know this is a bit different, and we're not getting those corny uh, retweet of you're with us tweets, which I'm honestly relieved about. Uh, Grant McCaslin has won everywhere he's ever been, including at North Texas this past season. He also hadn't, I think, before he was announced at TAC, or before the NIT championship, his last tweet from his Twitter was when he was like dropping his daughter off at Baylor um, when he was with Scott Drew for her freshman year of college. So this is not a guy, don't expect this guy to be active on Twitter. It's not going to be like Joey McGuire. He's more of a Tim Tadlock type. He's more reserved. It, it's okay. Tim Tadlock's pretty reserved uh, in the public, and uh, he has a fiery side to him. And I'm sure Grant McCaslin definitely has the same, but he's going to fall into the Tadlock mold much more. Than Joey McGuire will. So I'm not worried about that. Also, the recruit we got from Georgia, and he's kind of a mystery. He played in 10 games for Georgia this year. Uh, he started eight of them. Ben Golan over at uh, Red Raider Sports uh, on his YouTube, he posted highlights from him. And I, I just watched some of the highlights. My takeaways this guy has active hands, he's going after loose balls, he's not afraid of contact, he's willing to finish inside. I think that he's going to fit into what Grant McCaslin wants to do perfectly. If it gets into a rock fight, I think this guy can go inside and score. It, I think that he can shut them down also defensively. So I think the basketball roster is looking better than you think right now because with the lack of activity. You got two good guys coming in. You're keeping some key players. Pop Isaacs especially. You lost Daniel Bacho, which is tough. That We have to get some size. We have, I believe, four spots left. We have to get some size on this team. I don't want to see what it was like with Chris Beard right after the national title where TJ Holyfield's essentially our only big man we trust, and he's just on an island. That guy, by the way, was probably one of the most wrongly criticized guys. That guy was actually in a awful situation being the only big man. But I think the roster's looking good. There are a couple guys visiting. There's um, one guy taking a visit to both TCU and Texas Tech. 
I think this team's going to be just fine. They're going to be competing for a tournament berth. They're going to be better than 5-13 and 13 for sure. And I think they're also going to look a lot better than last year's team did. As for the Big 12 as a whole, there is reports that the Big 12 is looking at games in Mexico in both basketball and football in Monterey and Mexico City. Now, I like that Brett Yormark is trying to expand to different markets. And it's reported that they're looking at a basketball game very soon and then a football game the year after that. I would like him to tap the brakes there. What, what I would love is if we try basketball for a few years because Mexico City actually has a G League team does pretty well. It's a good model for how to succeed in that market. They have a good arena. Um, they're all obviously willing to support basketball. And if you put two elite basketball schools there, I think that's going to do very well. An- another thing for football, you get six home games a year. You get six. That's it. We have six home games this year. Sometimes you get seven if you're lucky. I hate neutral side games. I hate it. Kansas State and Iowa State tried to prop up their rivalry by playing in Kansas City, and it actually worked pretty decently. Both the games were competitive. The first year, they were both going to a bowl game, and then they went back to campuses. They got about 40,000 people there a game. When they went back to campuses, there there has never been, other than COVID, less than 47,000 people at those games. And this past year... The last place team in the Big 12 packed in 60,000 people to play Kansas State. When Texas Tech and Baylor went and did their non-con, and that, that, that one, or non, not non-con, the neutral side in Dallas, Arlington, and that one made more sense because normally it was at the end of the year, and Texas Tech, it's, it's tough for us to have home games over Thanksgiving. It really is. That, that's one thing, though. They should not, we should always be on the road the last week of the season. But it, w- it did really well. You had over 70,000 people in attendance for the first game. The last game, you had less than 30,000 people in attendance. The last two years, when it was on uh, campus sites, you had 44,000 in Waco. And then you had over 60,000 last year for Texas Tech. I do not want to see us lose more home games. I hate that idea. I hate the thought of that idea. Please, for the love of God, do not take away home games. Now, look, if they want to say, all right, we're going to take away a home game from Houston because they don't pack the stadium. Okay. They, they can be the guinea pigs. And I will say Monterey has a beautiful stadium. It's a very new stadium and overlooks the mountain. I, I can go overlook the mountain at BYU. I also don't want to lose my road game to BYU either. And then the NFLs tried this a lot in the Azteca. And one time they had lasers shown into Texans players' eyes. Then they had to remove the game because the field wasn't good enough. And now the Azteca, the thing with that one is they host a lot of concerts. They also host two Liga MX teams, which makes for a brutal schedule and a pretty brutal playing surface. I would much prefer Monterey than Mexico City. I will say that. The Aztecas also undergoing re- 
renovations. Both the stadiums in those cities are hosting the 2026 World Cup. And Monterey doesn't need, doesn't really need renovations that much. It was built in 2015. The Azteca, NFL's not playing football games this year because they're doing renovations now for the 2026 World Cup because that is a very old stadium. It hosted in the 1970 World Cup final, for God's sake. I would also like to see baseball. I played in Mexico. They hosted two uh, opening round pools in the World Baseball Classic before. They have a great winter league down there. They have a passionate fan base. I think that you can expand into the market by playing baseball there first and basketball. And then if that goes well, a couple years down the line, you already have fans of your teams because they went and saw you play basketball in person, baseball in person. And then they'll support the teams that they've watched in those in football. The teams they liked in those, they'll support them in football or be excited about that. So I think I would love it if they would cool it on the college football down there. I would love some early January college basketball games down there where, yeah, you're losing a home game, but students aren't back anyway, so it's not that big of a deal. Uh, I would love to try it with basketball. I'd love to actually try it with baseball, too. Put a series down there. It, it would be a lot of fun. Instead of going to Arlington, send six Big 12 teams down there, your top six Big 12 teams, and play a little round robin over a weekend. in uh, Or not a round robin, but like a three-game series over the weekend in Mexico City or, or the Jalisco. And by the way, the stadium that hosted, uh, it was 2013, no, 2017, sorry, in Mexico that ballpark, those balls flew. I think there was one game where the winning team didn't score at least nine runs out of seven. Six of the seven t- games. If you go and put nine Big 12 games in that stadium, holy cow. That would be some entertaining baseball. So that's my thoughts on it. Please, for the love of God, don't move football there too quickly. And if you do, take away Houston's home games. They don't show up anyway. Don't take away the loyal fan bases, home games like Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, Kansas State. Please don't do that.